Hey, this is Puka Nakua, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here, of course, with the trash man on the eve of the, not the eve, but on the week before the NFL Combine. Of course, make sure and stay tuned here on the YouTube and on the podcast for all of our content from there as we continue to um, go to Indy for our, our 13th straight year. And as always, we're going to have the best ball cheat sheet available to our pro members uh, the week after we get back home from the combine. So make sure and stick around for that. We're having some best ball conversations right now as we're getting in some early drafts. Trash man, how are you doing, brother? You know, dealing with the seasonal allergies here in Austin. If I'm at my voices are registered lower, it's probably because of that. That's what happens when it's like 30 degrees in the morning and 80 degrees in the afternoon, man. It's so cockamamie around here right now. Um, all right. Let's talk about it. So as we're going over and as we're looking at this stuff, we're going to talk about some players that we have some that are giving us some best ball sticker shock. Uh, maybe just a little bit, a little bit um, more highly valued by others than what we necessarily see it at. And the thing I hate about this trash man, there are three. So I picked one from each of the first three rounds. Um, and so this is always hard because everybody in the first three rounds, there's going to be players that you can make a case for, right? It's just, um, and the hard thing, the, the other hard thing is these are three players who I kind of really like, you know, it's just, I, 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 pro- I, I can imagine who your first probably is. Okay. So in, in round one um, of these best ball drafts, we have, it, it goes like this, right? So uh, Christian McCaffrey is going first off the board and then CeeDee Lamb and then it's Tyreek Hill, then Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Brees Hall usually go, you know, somewhere six, you know, six to seven. Then Bijan goes. Then you get to this spot where you get to Puka Nakua and Jameer Gibbs. And for me, look, I love Puka and I think he had a great first year. And I'll even concede, but it's it's Puka for me. Like his ADP right now is nine point six, and the reason why I'm hesitant to take Puka Nakua at nine point six, for one, it's just I did. And look, the evaluation looks bad now, looking back. But I don't think anybody had him evaluated. As there are people who do victory laps on Twitter and say, "Oh yeah, you know, I've always loved Puka. I've always loved Puka," and just be like, "Well, did you really think he was going to do that?" I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody uh, foresaw foresaw that, right? Um, my main concern is Matt Stafford, and if he's able to stay healthy for the whole season. Do you remember last year how worried we were before the season when Doctor Chow came on the podcast and said, "Dude, it's going to take one sack on Matt Stafford where he get like bruises some part of his spine to where it's going to mess up some kind of, kind of L one or whatever he's talking about in his neck, and you know he's not going to be able to play anymore." You know. This year we saw – do you remember – I think it was versus Dallas, wasn't it? Because during the Dallas games when he went out with the thumb, it was Dallas, wasn't it? He was – he was, he was, he was back. So. And then um, there was the Green Bay game, and they were worried for the rest of the season. People were freaking out bad because th- there was a time when it looked like that thumb thing was going to keep him out maybe for the whole year because it was on his right throwing thumb. He ends up, he ends up coming back, 
And basically, while he was gone, that was the worst. That was basically the worst two games that Puka played all season. I think he had like three catches and four catches in those games, respectively. If you look at Puka Nakua, and I think we can all agree that Cooper Cup is going to. Uh, Cooper Cup is probably on his way downhill. He, I well, think he's, he's he's one of the guys on the list for me. Yeah, I, th- I think he's on. I think he's on his way downhill. I can see it. But he was on his way downhill this season too, right? And if you look at it, so we knew that Cup missed the first four games of this season. But once Cup was back in the lineup in week five, whenever Cup was out, that's when Puka got off to his really hot start. He was averaging 9.75 targets per game over the course of those four games. Over the whole rest of the season, whenever Cup after Cup came back, he averaged 5.36 targets per game. So if you think about the fact that Cooper Cup is still going to be – even if Matt Stafford's perfectly healthy, right – we're, we're we're looking at a we're looking at a sample that's greatly affected by the first four games of the of the season with no Cooper Cup, right? Puka Nakua was awesome, but towards the end of the year they were kind of forced feeding him a little bit to get him the rookie records. And I, I think if Cup is healthy, even if Stafford does stay healthy, it's going to be it's going to be tough for Puka to you know have a season like he did last year. And we're just talking we're talking about man your first round your first round of draft pick. So whenever you get to that spot for me, I'm definitely going with B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs or maybe even Kyron Williams over Puka Nakua after I get through this first uh, this first kind of five-pack here. Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown. McCaffrey will already be off the board. But if Brees Hall is there, I'm certainly taking him. Bijan, I'm taking him. I'm taking Jameer Gibbs. I'm taking Kyron Williams. I'm toying with the idea – I'm toying with the idea of maybe even getting AJ Brown over, over him. I think it makes plenty of sense. I mean, if you would have asked me oh, last year, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cool. I mean, but their ADPs were like two spots off. So to me, it's look. I think Pukunuku is fine if you have him in Dynasty. Good for you. But you know, being being wide receiver, what wide receiver six? I mean, sandwiched in between AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson now with with. Um, you know, the hopes that Aaron Rodgers will be there in to some degree, stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, man. It's to, to me, that's a real, that's a, that's a real tough sell. So Puga Nakua is the first guy that gives me sticker shock early on in these drafts. For me, and I, and I agree about Puka Nakua. I think, you know, his, his season last, this past year was largely predicated on, I mean, his quarterback. I mean, Matt Stafford's the kind of quarterback that can be. He's a, he's a wide receiver's best friend. He's just um, awesome, dude. We, I mean, he's, he's been doing this stuff back to the dead Calvin Johnson times and stuff. It's just like it's I don't crazy. think he really came into his own until after Calvin Johnson because I felt like he used to be the kind of guy he wouldn't throw it up to Calvin in situations where I thought just throw it to the guy, he's going to get it. But I think he got over that. He got over that hump with Cooper Cup. Um, for me, the first guy, it's Bijan Robinson. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, if you, you just look at his I mean, look at his season, look at what Algier did there alongside with him. Um Bijan Robinson, I I would rather, I mean, after seeing Gibbs come on late in the season for the Lions and seeing what he can do when they actually allow him to do what he can do, I'm more excited about having Gibbs on the field. I mean, if, if, you, if you're going to talk about limited touches for either one of those guys, 
I'm more bullish on Gibbs. I'm not sure it's going to be limited to like. So, okay, so here, so here's my deal on Bijan, and I, I, I get it. I get it with Gibbs, but I just I think with Bijan Robinson with a new coaching staff there, right? But the same, but the same GM that that drafted Bijan. You got to think with Raheem Morris coming in as the head coach. He's bringing Zach Robinson in. As, that's right, right? Zach Zach Robinson. I'm not, I'm not missing that. Uh, Falcons OC. Zach Robinson. Yeah, Zach was Zach Robinson um, from the Rams. We know in those Rams offenses that he came up in, those guys like to stick with one with with one running back that could be a pass catcher too, like an all around bell cow type. We've just we've we've just seen the, the the usage out of those guys be good. I think it might be a philosophically different kind of offense. You're betting on the come with it. And, and it's a might, you know, we, we don't know. A, there's some variables that that, you know, are associated with the position where I just feel safer. Um, taking some other guys. I feel safer taking a Gibbs. I feel safer taking a Kyron Williams. I feel safer taking a Jonathan Taylor just at this point um, with the unknowns that are available around. Gosh, it's just hard. I just love Bijan so much. I know. I love him. It's hard, but... Another guy who I love that uh, just gives me... I I hate that this has even come up. I hate that this has even come up. But the price is just too high, and it's it's this the rookie Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, he was he was my second guy too. It's I, it's just like gosh, like whoa, that uh, that escalated quickly. And I get it. The people that are playing the the people who are playing the pre NFL draft best ball stuff are guys like us that that like to get most of our exposure here before the draft and use the intelligence that we gain through the All Star games and through the combine and through you know through our our networks and our our scouting groups and stuff like that. Um, and so it's people who are excited about rookies. I, I totally get that. Right. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is a super easy guy to get excited about. But, man, I hadn't dug into Marvin Harrison Jr. in his tape as much as I'd really liked until just this last week when I got my hands on six all 22 games from this last season. Right. And, I, and I've watched him. I think he's I think he's great. I think that there are little nuances about him that I worry a little bit about that we'll talk about in future episodes here on the podcast where it's sort of like rookie breakdown and scouting evaluation stuff. But you can't hide the fact that he is just super tall. He moves super, super well. Um, you, you can't deny the pedigree, right? He, he's, a, he's a top 10 wide receiver talent that's going to be a t- like a top 10 guy in, in most drafts, right? And with, with that said – and I, I and I do consider a top 10 guy different than these kinds of guys that go 22, 23, 24 and stuff like that. Because in a lot of these drafts, as scouts will tell you, sometimes in the draft, you know, just because a guy goes in the first round doesn't mean teams have first round grades on them. The average number of first round grades that the NFL will have sort of consensus wide on on these players. So some years will be 16, some years will be 17, some years it'll be 18 and stuff like that. Generally, those guys that go in the you know, where we've seen guys like Jordan Addison going and, you know, Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson and, you know, just all these guys that go 21 to 26 stuff with Zay Flowers, this, like this kind of draft capital. Um, I, I consider that a different breed of prospect than the wide receivers that people see as complete game changers that go top 10, right? So we know that he's going to be that type of prospect. With that said, I'm not sure that he's a better prospect than Malik Neighbors from LSU. It's a conversation that Cody and I are going to continue to keep having. And so I do have that issue when I look at uh, Marvin Harrison being taken now at number wide receiver 11, whereas where is um, Neighbors? Neighbors is wide receiver 23. 
Okay, 23 now. Okay, so he was at 22, so he's actually falling a little bit. I think I would much rather have neighbors at wide receiver 22, wide receiver 23 range, you know, getting him at a price of a of a back-end wide receiver two, right, high-end wide receiver three, as opposed to my, my back-end wide receiver one in Marvin Harrison Jr. And I was just curious. I look back. So these, 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 these wide receivers that do have consensus – First round capital draft grades, right? The, the, if you if we go back ten years, just listen to the listen to these outcomes, okay? And I I, I left Odell Beckham in this one from 2014 because he went 12, and that actually goes against my argument here because Odell Beckham finishes the wide receiver one that season. So some of these rookies can can, can come in and do it, but dating back to 2014, the first round or the kind of the the top ten wide receiver ish players, right? Garrett Wilson in his rookie season was wide receiver 30. Jamar Chase was wide receiver six as a rookie. Devontae Smith, wide receiver 46. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 22. Corey Davis, wide receiver 91. Um, Mike Williams, he, he, he only played nine games, but he was a very busty first season. Wide receiver 165. Maybe that's something to remember about um, Quentin Johnston. <laughs> to some degree, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, uh, let's see, John Ross, he only played three games, so whatever. Uh, Amari Cooper was wide receiver 30 as a rookie. Kevin White didn't play as a rookie. Sammy Watkins was wide receiver 31. Mike Evans was wide receiver 13. Odell Beckham, he wasn't technically top 10, but clearly had a consensus first-round grade. Uh, he was wide wide receiver one, and it took him six weeks to come on in that, in, 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 in that rookie season. Not that it matters for best ball, but um, – you know, just an explosion down the stretch for him. So we're talking about what outcomes have been better. And look, I, I know it's it probably doesn't mean all the world to look at the historical trends, but it, it means it means something, right? So you would need a Jamar Chase and or Odell Beckham like outlier to get any any value on a wide receiver valuation on Marvin Harrison Jr. And we don't know where he's going to go. And he's being widely mocked, basically by a ton of different people, to the Patriots. So it's just like, for I mean, me, it's just like without the landing spot, it's really hard for me. I mean, because you think about some like last year, um, JSN, you know? Yeah. Prior to the draft, I mean, the the sky's the limit, but you know, you know, he lands in Seattle and it totally tempers um, you know, his fantasy prospects. So I feel like, yeah, it's it's too it's too high for Harrison. All right. So that was I actually lied though. He's not my second guy. He wasn't my second guy. DJ Moore was my second guy. Oh, really? I was kind of thinking DJ Moore might looks kind of good where he, where he all right. So let's hear about the DJ Moore stuff. Well, I mean, it's just like we just don't know what's gonna go on with Justin Field. Well, I just I think that by now the reporting is basically kind of t- he he took did you see he took all of the bear stuff off his social media? He did the little pity party thing. So yeah. I um it's I'm I'm just I'm I'm assuming it's Caleb Williams. That's kind of the assumption that I'm going with now, and I think that when, whenever we build out uh, projections and stuff like that, once we know the team fits and things, um, that's that's what we're going to be doing. So that's for the that's the way I'm kind of eyeballing it. And I think that that I mean I don't know. It's I like, mean, but, it, but I mean, just like I don't know, like we don't know how his rookie quarterback is going to perform. Yeah, and what and what you can say about you know a uh, pur- purported lack of volume or the projected lack of volume that the Bears had this year and everything like that. Yeah, I mean you could. I mean D- DJ Moore still had an awesome season. 
He did. You know, I, I mean, Justin Fields really, really likes him. So I'm not necessarily saying I think that losing Justin Fields, getting Caleb Williams could be a step up. I think it could, but it could, it could certainly go e- either way for sure. Like, I I guess I get it. It's just so right now, DJ Moore, his, um, his ADP is sitting wide receiver 10. Man, all that stuff, man. Why, dude? The wide receiver nines, Nico Collins. That also kind of worries me. I know it doesn't worry you quite as much, but it's a. Weird... I mean, I guess it kind of worries me in the sense that Tank Dell, I mean, could potentially have another a full season. Um. Yeah, but Tank Dell is another guy who you know you're talking now early third round. What wide receiver? I think you could potentially 18, get value on Dell. There. A mid a mid round. I I mean I I know you love Tank Dell. I was talking about it on the show the other day. I think that the deep sleeper in the in that whole deal could be John John Mechie coming back for a coming back as a as a dude who's kind of all recovered from you know his physical ailments and a really good prospect coming out. And you can get him in the final round of these drafts. I think I might rather do that than you know. Gosh, we're taking Texans receivers in the first and the third rounds. CJ Stroud. I mean, come on, he's. He's willing his team to playoff victory. CJ Stroud's he's, a goat. I, I, I like CJ Stroud to me is he's the next he's the next Brady. He's no, I, I have I have one last guy that's just giving me sticker shock in best ball trash man, and then you can go get get with your last one and we'll and we'll uh, get out of here. And it's another one, dude, that I hate that I'm having to say this, but it's the tight end one in underdog and a dude who we loved coming into this process last year who we had a lot of in best ball and a lot of in um redraft he actually almost got me the win in that super super tough uh, ffpc pros versus joe's draft where i ended up losing by like 17 points at the very end missing out on a um missing out on a main event ticket and it's sam laporta um and here's the reason. It's not because I don't like Sam Laporta, and I think it's fine to take him there, right? But he's going off the board as tight end one at 29.4 overall. So we're talking, what, the 3.05? Uh, 3, 3. Um, Trey McBride, by comparison, is going at 51.1 as the tight end three. So let's ju- – and I, I understand that um, – Sam Laporta had a better season on the whole than than Trey McBride. But I went back and looked at it and looked at Trey McBride's splits with and without Kyler Murray last season. So with Kyler Murray last season, uh, 6.63 targets per game. Without Kyler Murray last season, do you want to guess, Trashman? Um. No, I'm scared of making it. Um, all right. Uh, what's up to Harry Snowman in the chat? Snowman, so good to see you, brother. Um, three, 3.11 targets without. So 6.63 versus 3.11. 68 yards per game with Kyler Murray versus 32 yards per game without Kyler Murray. Um, 10.74 fan, half point PPR fantasy points per game with Kyler Murray versus 5.41 fantasy points per game without Kyler Murray. As far as the, um, as far as some of the, let's just compare that. Let's let's compare, let's compare those numbers. McBride with I mean, Kyler so is Murray too low. I mean, or is I mean, is 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 Laporta too high, or is McBride too low? Well, I'm just saying I'm not going to take I'm not taking Laporta there. If one, when I could take McBride almost 20 picks later, 
That's what I'm saying. Like this, I'm just, I'm got trash, man. I'm getting sticker shock, sticker shock. You know what that's like. I think everything gives you sticker shock. Um, let's see. Shocking. Sam Laporta last year on the entire season, right? Because his situation didn't change much. Um, so we look at McBride with Murray, 6.63 targets. Sam Laporta, 5.35 targets. McBride, 68 yards per game receiving. Sam Laporta, 53.25 yards per game receiving. The only th- place where Laporta had him, and it was only by a little, was in fantasy points per game. Laporta on the season, 11.32. McBride, 10.74. But if you if you look at the, but let me just go over some of the other like like some of the uh, some of the um, background stuff. The um, the pers- the 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 routes on percentage of team dropbacks. So when when Kyler Murray was in the game, we had McBride running around on eighty two point one percent of team dropbacks on the season. Sam Laporta only ran around on seventy point eight percent of team dropbacks. Uh, McBride with Kyler Murray had a 24.3% target share, whereas Laporta on the season had a 19.5% target share in Detroit. Very importantly, I think, just as an overall view of all this stuff that takes into account not just the volume that we've talked about, but also the efficiency and yards per route run, which is just you know one of the best statistics that there is for this stuff. 2.17 yards per route run for McBride with Kyler Murray. 1.95 yards per route run for Sam Laporta on the season. So it's just like the I only mean, thing that like I that I think Sam Laporta does have going for him, but they didn't have going for him last season. I mean, we have to talk about that strength of schedule for tight ends. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I was, mean, it was, was he had the worst in the league. It was a, it was a tough strength. It, like he he went up against really good coverage linebackers and stuff. And he it's, still it's true. and he still, still thrived. Give me the give me the give me the give me the whatever the how many how how many spots are we talking here? Give me oh gosh man what twenty five spots lower, twenty three spots lower. Yes, give me give me twenty three. Give me two extra picks at before I have to take a tight end to give me Trey McBride instead of Sam Laporta. No, that's fair. All right. Who's who who who's your last one? My last one. Um it was Zay Flowers. Why don't you like Zay? Well, I mean, just well, look at him because I had him on my team last season and I saw just like the middling lines you're, that it well, you're a fantasy analyst. on a weekly it basis. Shouldn't, it shouldn't you know, matter if you had him on your like, team. With guys like Rashi Rice, Jeez. George Pickens, Terry McLaurin, they're all outscoring flowers on the season in fantasy and you know i i don't see that situation necessarily getting better for flowers i see bateman maybe stepping up in that offense um i see the running back situation getting better this season get i mean so more more options in that in the passing game there i just flowers is a great player i just think in that offense it's, it's a little high at the it's a little high at the four or five turn it did it i is. think you're, I, I think you're right because i mean are you taking are you i mean you're definitely taking gosh i mean Jay you're Green taking flowers over mcbride you're taking over kenneth walker when the when the seahawks have said they're going to lean heavy on the run this season heavier i just i can't commiserate <laughs> like flowers over walker there I, I that doesn't make any sense. Or McBride, or I mean Jordan Addison, Mark Andrews. Even it's 
Mark Andrews is the better pass catcher on his team.